Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up this morning to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to start there with verse 16. Matthew 3, 16. We're in a series called Open Heaven. And uh, I can't wait to really begin to unpack some of what we have for you today. Matthew three sixteen. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. You see that? At that moment, what happened? Heaven was open. Now we see heaven opened at the crucifixion as well. We see heaven has been opened since then. Since that day, heaven is open. Now you may say, was there a time when heaven was closed? And I would answer that as yes. There was a time. I mean, you, you basically had, you had uh, going through the Old Testament, you had Isaac, you had Jacob, and, 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 and you go on through there, you had the majors, you had the minors, but then boom, after Malachi, 400 years of silence. And then John the Baptist breaks onto the field. And here it comes, and, and he's prophesying of one to come, and here's that one. Here's the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Now, standing across from him, and notice he, he sees him just prior to this, and he's like, I don't know if I should do this. And Jesus said, may it be so, let it be so, for this is the will of God. And so the two come together, Jesus is baptized, and the scripture right here says, the heavens were open. Can you see it? said the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see, look, church, when you come up from what you've been down into, you hear me? When you come up from what you've been down into, you should see that the heavens are open. They're awaiting you. They're awaiting your response. How did Jesus respond to the heavens being open? It ordained his ministry. He was ready now for ministry. Now he had been commissioned to go forth. And we too, as we see the heavens open on our behalf, we should have a ministry. There should be something that we bring forth. We don't, we don't get this. Let me just tell you. This is what we do. We say, Lord, you know, if you, if you really loved me, if you really were concerned about poor little me, if you really... We're concerned about my thoughts, about my actions, about what I've done. Look, then you would have saved my sister from that car wreck. Lord, if you were really concerned about me, you would have never let me go down the road that I went down. You would have never given me parents that I had. You would have never. And see, we live in this victim state. See, we're under the water. Our eyes are open, but it's not clear how to access the heavenlies because we're concerned about poor, pitiful, pathetic me. Now, let me say this. You're not poor. You're not pathetic. Right? That's coming from the accuser. I'm not your accuser today. But I want you to see sometimes how we evaluate ourselves. And in that, we have nothing to bring before the king. We are looking to be blessed without understanding we are the blessing. Jesus has blessed us, church. He's blessed us, and, and, and it's His will that none would perish. You're right. When, when we lose loved ones, when we see people suffer, when we think about the hungry, the thirsty, the depraved around the world, then we start asking these questions that we feel are, are, theological, are theological, but in actuality they are philosophical. Jesus has given us the answer. See, Jesus came up 
out of the water. He didn't stay under there. The things that prevented him from accessing the kingdom, he came up and the Father saw him and he saw the Father. And ministry took place. He began to move forward. See, God wants us to access the blessings of the heavens being open. But listen, he has a way that they're accessed. They may not always look like your way. You know, in order for you to come up, maybe you need to come up and out of a way of thinking, out of a way of doing, out of a way of trying to access on your own. Because God has values, and those values are values that, that He, are standards that, that He looks for us as His children to access Him through and by. Every family has values. You have values in your household, whether you realize it or not. They may be spoken, they, they may be unspoken, but you have values. Not everybody that drives up my driveway do I want in my house. I don't know what they're going to bring into my house. I don't know. So accessing me, right, or accessing my children He's placed them under my guardianship. I have values in my home. I want those values to be upheld. And when they're not, what do I do? I attempt to expel those things. In other words, my door shuts. Might even lock. Now, God's not looking to lock anyone out, but he has values. Have you ever bumped into those values? I mean, think about God for a minute. Think about Jesus and what later he would say as his ministry is ordained, as he's commissioned for ministry to go forth from this time of baptism. And one of the things he says, he said, no one comes to the Father except how? By me, he also says this, enter through the what gate? The narrow, there's a gate. There's a way to access God, the heavenly Father, and it's through Jesus. You ever think about when Jesus was born? How the scripture makes us, and, and I'm going to tell you something. This all is relatively new to me um, as of yesterday. I mean, I was praying over this message, had, had written it Tuesday, rewritten it Wednesday, Thursday. I'm sitting in there and, and started typing and typed all these pages. Brett even came into my office and Brett goes, hey, man, dude, uh, are you still working on the message? You about got it done? And I was like, uh, Brett. I, I'm working on it. So I flipped my computer around, showed him all these notes I'd been taking. And I said, I just feel like the Lord is speaking something to me here. It, it, it's it's going to be refreshing. It's it's going to help me. This is something for me. And, and, and what I thought of and began to think of is that when Jesus was born, so 30 years prior to what we just read, when Jesus was born, the kings came to him, and what did they offer him? They offered him praises. The scripture says they offered him gifts. They had something in their hands to bless him with. I was praying over Pastor Sonny the other day and just praying for him. And he said, uh, hey, guys, there's something in my hands. There's something in my hands. I said, Lord, let me see what's in his hands. And I saw this freshly baked piece of bread. I said, Sonny, it's bread. And it's, it's bread that, that will always be there. You're going to continue to always be able to feed others the good news of Jesus Christ. 
He's going to continue to, to replenish and replace. And think about the, the story we talked about last week in Scripture with Jesus feeding the 5,000. And, and we say 5,000, that's, that's how the Bible, that's how it's titled. But in reality, there were 5,000 men. There were women and children present as well. There's this huge amount and there's this little lunch. And remember last week we said heaven is on your hands. The miracle is here. There's a way of accessing the heavens being open to you. And Jesus did what with that? He, he blessed it. He held it up to his father. He thanked him. See, he had something in his hands. When the, when, when the kings came to Jesus as he was born, they had something. They brought gifts from afar to give to him to bless him let me ask you is it just about the heavens being open so that you can access them for your own blessing or do you look for the heavens to be open so that you may be a blessing unto him this is huge this is yesterday i mean i'm wrestling i'm twisted i'm saying lord show me give me revelation and this is what he showed look i, I saw I mean, if there's one passage of Scripture I know, I know John chapter 1, verse 43, all the way through. Now, I'm not going to quote the whole thing to you. I love the story. It's Nathaniel, right? But after you read that story of Philip and Nathaniel and Jesus, and you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel, after you read all that, you, you see a ladder that's ascending and descending from the heavens. There's access something's going on angels going up angels coming down where are the angels this morning lord give us glasses give us eyes that can see where the angels are the scripture says that believers have angels encamped where all around them okay what do angels do they're messengers up and down on the ladder if you will well let me just ask you are you sending them up with blessing I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with what? With praise. We ought to be over the top in this place. The heavens are open. The heavens are open, but God has his value system. There is a way, and as you stay, look, if we were to go overseas, different cultures around the world, you go to meet a dignitary, a chief, a leader of any kind, what do you do? You bring a gift. I, I love, look, Invite someone over this week to your house with gray hair. Mm -hmm. Feed them. <laughs> Greg's out there. Amen. Guys, by the way, this is Greg Brown. He doesn't want, he doesn't want anybody to know that he's just one of our elders here this morning. Love this man. He's a very humble man. But he's over there with gray hair, what, what's left of it, and, and saying amen, right? And, and it's the same thing with, with, with me. Look, here's why. Because if you go back prior to my generation and the generations of today, the, the newer generations, if you will, we don't understand what it means to go and visit someone at their house. When you get an invitation to come, the, the older ones know that we showed up with what? Something in our hands. I never knew my parents to go eat with any other family where they weren't bringing something because they knew they were going to receive something. It was a value. It was a value. And we've somewhere lost that today. See, our American culture is a very self-centered culture. We don't bring gifts. We think we are entitled to anyone at any place at any time. If we're not careful, we will take this arrogance and wonder why we don't see the heavens open on our behalf.
We don't understand how God's kingdom works. Our goal in this series is to show you that his kingdom is available to us. The heavens are open, but access is somewhat limited if we're not careful. And it's limited because of us, not because of him. He has his ways. He has his values. His value system is seen all throughout Scripture. When we send our angels up, what do they have? Do they just go before the Lord and say, I have nothing to bless you with, but he needs a blessing in his finances. Could you send me back with one? With ten? I really love this guy, but he is awful soft, self-centered. I really love this woman. She is awful self She She doesn't understand really, God, how to access, but, but I, I, I'm trying here. I, I'm their angel that you assign me to them. And, and, and see, sometimes I feel like we're sending them up without anything in their hands. Sometimes we're asking for God's blessing and we're asking for his revelation and we're asking for all these things. And it's not wrong to ask. Ask and, and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. But when we knock on that door, do we have anything in our hands? There's been a genuine fear for the last three months in my life over going before the Lord. A genuine fear. I think the arrogance, the pride, the things that have also soaked well into me. The culture, the American culture, it's all about me, it's all about my. But it's not the way God intended it. He says, whoever desires to be great will be the servant of all. As a matter of fact, they'll think beyond themselves. What you take before the Lord may not even be taking anything of you. It may be taking something for the person next to you. Your hands may be full of them, and with them, we learn to bear one another's burdens. We learn to carry one another in this life. See, God has these values, these ways. Enter through the narrow gate, for broad is the way that leads to destruction. Luke chapter 17 says this, Whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two will be in one bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding grain together. That's, those are good women. We just stop right there and say, that's a good woman. If they're in there grinding grain together, man, you got someone, men. Okay? The sad thing is, one will be taken, the other will be left. Oh, man, I better not say it. <clears throat> okay, keep going. Allison, that's, that's just a wise counsel right there. 36. Two will be in a field. One will be taken. The other will be left. My point, even though heavens are open, some will miss it. Some will miss it. It's strictly on his terms. It's not on our terms. Jesus has his values. He has his ways. The kingdom of God belongs to him. You have values. They may be good. They may be bad. They may be of God. They may not be of God. But you have values, and your values determine who has access to you, your home, your family. It's the same way in God's kingdom. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, we have it up for you this morning. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Notice he says something there. You should have something in your hands. Offering spiritual sacrifices. And we always say this, you know, we always go to the scripture that the Lord, what, he wants what? Obedience over sacrifice. Well, part of obeying God is being a part of his value system. 
how he's ordained it to be in our lives. You know, if you're offering spiritual sacrifices to the Lord, your hands are never empty. They're never empty. Last week when we said the miracle's in your hands, is it? Are we doing things according to his ways, his will, his vision for our lives? All throughout Scripture, God's value system includes us and what we bring. We bring the sacrifice of praise. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what happens? All these things will be added unto you. It's his value. It's his way. King David said this time and time again. I will bless the Lord with what? With my voice. A couple of weeks ago at Cora, I said, we've got to start having a prophetic voice. If God has laid something on your heart, begin to speak it because you have the power to sow seed through God's word, in his promise, in his way, and that may fill someone else's hands. See, the scripture says we are a royal priesthood and we should never appear before him empty-handed. You know, think about the Israelites. You see, the, the Israelites, if you follow their story, you're going to see they wind up empty-handed. The priest appeared empty-handed because they consumed it on themselves. You remember Eli's sons, they had nothing to offer. They ate it up for themselves. When Naaman got ready to go to Elijah and receive his healing, he spent more time preparing what he was going to give the prophet than what he was going to receive by the prophet. He did not want to insult him. So he made time of preparation, time to go before the king. Our time here on earth is a time of preparation. We'll spend eternity with him. He is looking for us to access the kingdom in his ways. Luke 6.38 says it this way. Give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, and pouring into your lap. Notice he says give. If you don't have anything in your hands, you have nothing to give. And when I say hands, that's metaphorically speaking, I hope you know this. Do we have something in our heart? Do we see ourselves in the presence of the Almighty God? What does that look like for you? One thing God has used throughout all time in Scripture in, in bringing His people towards His value system, he's, he's used giving as an example. Give and it will be given to you. You see, it's his value system. When we learn to, to live by his value system with hands full that are constantly giving, that are constantly in service, that are constantly thinking beyond ourselves. When we're, when we're in his value system, we're thinking about going and, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Our hands are full. But giving is a great way to check yourself if you're aligned with his value system. I like to take it even further. I like to say this. Not just giving, but money. Now, now I'm getting into everybody's business. Some of you are going to leave here and say, you got my pockets. That's not what I'm after today. It's, it's not at all. What I'm, what I'm talking about is a value system. The heavens are open. Are we accessing them? It's value. Money is a test. God uses money to guide and direct our heart towards his value system, towards his economy. How we handle money, we are either moving toward or away from his value system. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 12. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Have you ever wanted money so that you could give it away? Have you, have you ever prayed, Lord, 
I pray that you would bless me with this amount because in this amount, I feel like I can help this person, I can help these people, I can help this church, I can help this situation. I can help grow your kingdom, I can be a part. See, money will reveal your heart, your, your fear, your greed, your love, your serving, your power, your lack, your anxiety, your pride, with all the emotions that come with it. It's a test. Last week we talked about your faith being tested, about how God tests us. In Malachi, he says, test me in this and see if I will not open the heavens and pour out my blessings upon you. Giving aligns my heart with his value system. It becomes a value test. In giving to the church, the poor, the orphan, God always asks the question, do you value what I value? Are you willing to live in the way that I've called you to live? Do you from the heart value, value what he values? You know, I, I even take it further. Watch this, 10%, 10% of earnings. Years ago, I went, I had a pastor call me to his office. I was youth directing. It was Dr. Richard Bells. I love this man. Uh, he just discipled me. He was so good for me. Just one of the most humble men I've, I've ever worked for in my life. And, and, and he calls me in after working there three or four months. And he said, Curtis, I just want to ask you a question. Do you want us to just take 10% out of your check? Or would you rather um, just write the church a check for 10%? And I remember sitting there, just, I, I'm serious. I, 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 at first I was just seeing if he would smile or do something. Just give me a break because now I'm feeling pinched, you know. And I, and I said, well, I thought the government already took like 20%. And they said, no, we're talking about God's government. And we're talking about our staff lives this way. Our staff tithes 10%. Because a tithe belongs to God. And I, I remember going, and he could tell I was uncomfortable. So he said, why don't you start with seven? Now, 7% isn't a tithe. The word tithe actually means 10%. And honestly, if you study that word, you'll find out that already belongs to God. It already, and, and we'll get to that here in just a moment. So, so I remember just being pinched like that. You know, today in time when we put our budget together and, and we blow our budget up and, man, it's getting harder and harder as the kids get older and all, and, and I'm saying, jeez, Lord Jesus, help us. But as I look, I, I, I never, the very first thing on our budget is 10% or better. How can we do this? Malachi 3, 8, and 9, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me because you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. I, I, I love the thought of, of saying I'd rather have God's blessing on 90% of what my income is than no blessing on any of it. Was God afraid of running short due to their theft? Not at all. God doesn't need us to give to accomplish his will. He wants us to access the heavens. He wants us to gain a heart for others. He wants us to gain a heart for the next generation. It's not about money. We, we make it about that. I just made it. I just said money. But these are just ways that we're tested with his value system. Jesus liberates us from every curse. Tithing is a part of the kingdom system. That's, that's just what it is. We're not necessarily under the curse of the Old Testament. Absolutely not. He says you are cursed with a curse. But here's the thing. We've been liberated, right? But tithing is still part of the pre-law, if you will, way to access the kingdom. 
It's putting our faith in God and not in our resources. My body is a system. When I eat and exercise right, which I started back in the gym this week, and I'm telling you right now, I'm just so sore. I'm like, this isn't of God. (laughs) Something majorly is wrong here. I hurt. But here's the thing. (laughs) My body's a system. When I eat and exercise right, my body systems work best. And tithing is a part of the kingdom system. When I practice it, I get to experience the kingdom. The heavens really do come to earth. It is no longer in my power. It is no longer in my strength. It is all in God's ways of providing. I live in a nice house that's on the canyon. I don't say that to, to brag. My, my life, it, growing up, I, the canyons were just this mystical thing in the Texas panhandle, a place that I loved to go and explore. I can remember as a kid, I, I used to, we lived out there on the farm about seven miles from the canyon, and I, I used to take my three-wheeler, and it had a little rack on the back, and I would put me a, a, a sack lunch on that thing, and, and then I would put a chair and two fishing poles, and I would ride down to the canyons. And I, we had some friends that owned property and land down there, and there was a pond down there in the canyons, and I would drive down there to that pond, and I would sit there all day and catch these little mudcat fish out of this pond. But it was mystical, it was magical, it was almost as though I could hear God speak to me, even as a boy there, so far away, killing rattlesnakes out there on my own. Think about my kids doing that at 10 and 11 years old. No way, man, y'all ain't leaving the house more than, you know, 30 meters, but... Back then, mom was like, get out. Right? It was a place of exploration. I've always dreamed about having a house. Now, how our house unfolded, I don't have time to tell you how that miraculous thing happened, how we got the house that we had. We, we didn't, matter of fact, we made half the income we normally made. We, we moved here planning a church. We were, we were trying to figure things out, and a lady stops by my house and says, aren't you a pastor? Didn't you pastor the Pulliam's kids? Yeah, I was a youth pastor. Well, our house has been vacant over on the Canyon Rim. My dad passed away. My mother is going to move in with me. I'm from California. We want to sell that. We want to bless somebody. I was like, what? We were in a 1,498-square-foot house. And, and she did have to make that point. How do you get all those kids in that place? And I was like, man, it's not. We, we do great. You know, Aren't you worried about this busy street and I'm getting hit? Yeah, well, they get a spanking if they get on the street. You know, it's just the way it works. It's for their good. You know, and she's like, well, okay, well, um, anyway, so the way it all unfolded, I can't help but wake up and look out and see deer under the deer feeder and think, God, how did this happen to me? It didn't happen through my finances. That had nothing to do with it. It happened through faithfulness, through accessing the kingdom of God. Story after story after story. See, Malachi was written during the time of Nehemiah, who was under a mandate from God to rebuild Jerusalem at that time, to rebuild the walls. You probably remember the story. It was supposed to be supported through the tithe, is what he's told. In Nehemiah's day, people stopped tithing. They they just quit giving. They were empty-handed before God. So the Levites left Jerusalem. Remember, the Levites were who? They were the priests. They had to leave. They had to go get jobs. The Word of God was not being taught and suddenly worship stopped and when tithing stops the word being taught stops when the word stops the worship stops when worship stops there is a moral decline when moral decline happens families fail when families fail nations fail and by the way that's Israel's story 
I got confronted here a while back about drawing a check from the church. It's okay. It's not the first time. To have several people say, hey, we pay your salary. You ought to show up at the hospital. I've had all kinds of things said and done. There's just one of me. I I don't wake up feeling guilty over that. Uh, I've prayed many times, God, give me a way where I would never take a thing away from the church. When I became a pastor, my salary was $1,100 a month. And a couple years later, Allison was pregnant. And I was like, oh. (laughs) And then Wade was born in January. And you say, that's no big deal. It is when your insurance policies with the denominations changing that month. $25,000 later. And you go, what in the world is happening? And God said, it doesn't matter. That's a world kingdom. You just keep living under my kingdom, under what I have for you. When I got confronted, it's interesting to me. I finally, you know, my remarks were, were this. I said, you know, what's the gospel worth to you? Sometimes we need to ask ourselves this question. What's the gospel worth to you? What's the richest form of gold in your life? What is that? Oh, well, shoot, if I won the lottery, you know, I'd have $5.5 million. That's pretty good. I could live a a good life on that. we, We tend to think in these matters, in these ways, in world ways, in world kingdoms, and we're not accessing the open heavens. We don't have testimonies because we're trying to do it in our own strength. And God says, a testimony is a testimony of me. They will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And what? The word of their testimony. Do you have a testimony? What's in your hands today? Are you accessing the kingdom? Do you have story after story? I was able just to tell this person, hey, I understand you may be frustrated. You may be frustrated thinking I live the golden life and I feel like I do. Why don't you become a pastor and live one too? We need preachers. We need pastors. We need people to unlock the mysteries of the gospel, to show the keys of the kingdom, if you will. Peter, the first preacher, if you will, was given the keys to the kingdom, the access to show the heavens are open. There's a way of accessing. Please go be a preacher. Preach the word. Speak the word. Do those things. They access the kingdom of God on your behalf. If you're called to do it, just beware because 90% in America never make it to five years. It may not be as fun. It may not be as you suppose. What's the gospel worth to you? Is it a golden treasure to be unlocked to show how the heavens are accessed? You see, I believe it's just God's calling. Whether rich or poor, the Apostle Paul said it best. I've been wealthy. I've been poor. I've been beaten. I've had all these things happen to me. But ultimately... The access to the kingdom was always with me. The access of the heavens was always with me. I was always provided for. He even took it further. To live is Christ. To die is gain. I've seen across the thin line. When I speak of thin line, I, uh, Pastor Lyle gave me an article this week. and Reading on it, I've heard of this before, thin places. If you've never heard of thin places, it's kind of an Irish term in over in Ireland, there's these places that uh, the religious call thin places, if you will. It's, it's, they're places where you experience God. The canyon, for me, is a thin place. It's a place where the heavens meet the earth, and you have an opportunity to be still before the Lord, to listen to His voice, to access the heavenlies. 
those thin places are, are it's the place where church is supposed to be interacting with God. It's where the gospel is being unlocked. It's where the good news is being preached. It's where the access of the heavens are openly happening. This is what he wants for each and every one of us in our lives. So let me ask you a question this morning, church. What's in your hands? Are your hands empty? Do we, do we pray this way? Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me some more. And when things don't go our way, do we say, Lord, you're not really there. You're not really listening to me. You don't hear my voice. You don't hear what I've been praying for. Do you offer the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving? Are we looking to access the heavens? Are we looking to see things through his lens instead of the lens of our own? Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. See, tithing says, God, I value what you value. I value the gospel being preached, coming into your presence. I value my children growing up, knowing the Lord. I value generation after generation after generation, having common sense for God's sake. For the sake of the kingdom. Malachi 3.10, bring this full tithe into the storehouse. Malachi begins with the word bring. Nowhere in Scripture, listen, nowhere in Scripture does it say give tithes. Nowhere in Scripture does it say give your tithe unto the Lord. It says bring your tithe unto the Lord. What's the difference? Why is it important? Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. The tithe is his, you simply return it to him. Remember, God is the source, not you. Everything you have is from Him and through Him. It's all His. We were talking about this at the table the other day, and, and we came up with this scenario. If I loaned Pastor Brad my keys and, and said, hey, take the car, man, take the car, and he takes the car and he drives it for three or four weeks, and I'm like, well, where's the car? Dude, i got a family, right? And Pastor Brad comes back and gives me the keys, and, and he says this, he says, hey, uh, you know, I've been praying about this, and I feel like, I'm led to give you your car keys back. What am I going to say? You're crazy. That's my car. Right? Why do we bring our tithes forward? It's an act of worship. It's our custom. It's returning to him what belongs to him. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? Today, the local church is the storehouse. Go back and study presidents. You'll find presidents begin to discover, hey, we've got to keep church in America because when, when these huge things happen, when tidal waves hit a coast or when a hurricane comes through or when a tornado wipes things out, it's not the government that takes care of people. It's the church living under an open heaven that steps in and says these things. Hey, I'll clothe the naked. We got food in the house. I'll feed the hungry. We got, we got water to drink. Let me give you some water. What a sad day and time when we don't. That's it. It's the hope. Oftentimes people get confused about where they should give their tithes. So it's divided to good things. But the tithe, the first tenth of all your increase, is meant for the storehouse, your local church. How much is the gospel worth to you? you it's interesting to me. The gospel is worth everything. It's the hope of my family being together for an eternity. Is it for yours? Or do we just say, ah, oh, they're lost? Oh, yeah, I'm raising up these hellions. Because not only do I know that the heavens are open, but I also know that hell's open too. And it's doing business as well. 
It's dangerous. See, to have those types of thoughts. Where do you get fed spiritually? Is there food in God's house? What are the things that nourish us spiritually? Are the miracle, is the miracle truly upon our hands? Churches that are life-giving, Christ-manifested, spirit-filled, Bible-teaching always have something in their hands to give. Give, and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, poured into your lap. That's the promise of Jesus. Those are his words. They're not mine. Hebrews 7, 8. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Who is the author of Hebrews talking about there? Jesus. Now, I'm with you. Man, I, I, I see these TV evangelists and, oh, man, if you'll just send for a gift of 10 bucks, you can have these three books I wrote. That tells you the books aren't very good. They're not selling on their own, folks. And they're saying, Pat, my pa, I get it. We get a bad rap. But the local church, the storehouse, should never have a bad rap. Never. Because it is the bride of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. Money is a test. Do I value what he values? When we give, he says, here mortal men receive tithes. Yes, there'll be people that pick up the baskets count the money, send it to Central. Central does another count. By the way, we have an A-plus rating in our accounting system. We are audited every year. It, it, it is A-plus here. We, everything that's documented down to the penny is documented a second time at Central. I'm not here to, to, to preach on, on the money coming into the church, but I'm here to talk about the access of the heavenlies. When we mere men receive the tithes, but watch, says, but there... Where is there? In the heavens. This is what the scripture is making it clear. He, and he is Jesus. Jesus receives them. See, when you give, you give to Jesus. Of whom it is witnessed that he lives. You want to be a witness that Jesus lived? What does it look like in ties? What do you have in your hands? Spiritual things are at play when we gather to worship, when we give our tithes. Mortal men will collect them and go count them, but Jesus receives them. At the basket, I give my tithe, but Jesus is receiving them. I'm touching eternity. I'm touching the heavens. Tithing touches eternity because those riches will be used to transform people's lives for eternity. When we tithe, when we pray, when we worship, when we preach, when we serve, our hands are never empty before God. We send angels up that bless God. If you read the book of Psalms, which all of you will do this week, what are you going to see David saying? This is what he says. I will bless the Lord. When I was in college, I argued that very thing. Man was praying. He said, Lord, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. When we got done, I was like, the Lord didn't sneeze. And, and this man, by the way, is now a seminary professor at Asbury and we started going back and forth and I said how can little old you bless the Lord and he said I'll tell you how because it's all I have is little old me and let me show you what David said I will bless the Lord oh my soul I will bless the Lord in other words my hands will always be full I will always come before the king with something in my hands to bless him not so that I will get but because of who he is because of what he's done 
because he's written a way through his value system of loving me for me to spend eternity with him and with those that I love. What's in your hands today, church? Do you value what he values this morning? His greatest treasure is people. We tithe so that Jesus gets his full reward. People. People are Jesus' full reward. To ensure there's a storehouse where his word is shared and where people can find God. That's what we're about. This church is not about Curtis House. This is not Curtis House's church. May it never be. Because our God is a jealous God. His bride will not be shared with anyone. But it is to be presented to him without spot or wrinkle. Access to the kingdom. Knowing him. Are we here for him? Do we hear his voice calling out to us? Do we see his values? Do we know that when we give to him, watch, we give to each other? Are your hands full this morning? If you need prayer, we're here for you regardless to access the heavenlies on your behalf. Father God, thank you for this church. Thank you, Father, that it's your bride. May your will be done. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.